All right, we're back. Mavs podcast. We uh, we took a couple years off, maybe a year and a half, but hey, who's counting? Uh, but, you know, we're back. The Mavericks were back last night in action after a few months off. Uh, and look, we've got a guest host on the podcast, uh, Superfan Jay. Go ahead and say hi to the people out there. Hello, people. All 17 of you listening at home right now, we thank you for your loyal uh, subscriberness. I'm going to make up a word, subscriberness. Um, But let's get into it. The Mavericks last night returned to action. Um, Unfortunately, lose a a tough one, 153 to 149. Uh, In overtime to the Houston Rockets, probably the happiest people were the betters in Vegas who took the over. The over-under was 233, which uh, I think they eclipsed by about a minute into the fourth quarter. So I guess some good news for gamblers out there. But, um, yeah, this was a game the Mavericks led by seven points with 45 seconds left in regulation, and it ends up going to overtime. And ESPN kind of put the whammy on it by putting up a stat that the Mavericks had lost 16 games this season by five points or less. And uh, I think that kind of put a jinx on the on the Mavericks from that point forward. I don't know. But uh, another close loss for the Mavericks. Jay, just your first thoughts. I was pretty distraught after the game last night. I was extremely distraught. This is one of the most disappointing Mavericks uh, losses in a long time. Uh, and they've had a lot of close games this year, I think, uh, back to – Early in the year, uh, they had a loss to the Lakers where Danny Green hit a three in the corner, descended to overtime. Uh, but this game was different because, uh, you know, they did everything wrong in the last minute or two. They, there was about a three-minute stretch at the end of the game where they didn't score a point. Um, and then the last minute of the game, Luka missed a free throw. Seth Curry missed a free throw. Um, you know, a lot of people were saying that Chris Tapp should have gotten that rebound when Robert Covington got the tip, and that wasn't him. Uh, it was uh, Maxi Kleber on the other side uh, didn't even make an effort to put an, uh, a body on Covington, who uh, went completely around him, came to the other side of the floor and tipped it in. And yeah, uh, really you just good play. Can't do that. Well, really good play by Covington, and and an amazing miss shot by James Harden. Like if that was sort of a skillful, intentional miss, like James Harden's pretty incredible if he can so, do that when he needs to miss a free throw. Do you, do you think that he did miss it on purpose? Uh, you know, I think he was 18 of 20 from the line at that point. Well, that was kind of their only chance is to miss it on purpose. But he did not miss it in the way that most people try to miss a free throw in that situation, which is just throw it as hard as they can off the rim. So it, it's either he was trying to make it and he just missed it in the most perfect way for the Rockets, uh, and a guy as skilled as Harden, I don't know, maybe he can do that. Maybe that's something he practices, a sort of a new way of missing free throws late. Um, or, I mean, they, he was trying to make it because really they would have fouled the Mavericks and had another chance at the other end of the floor. And the way the Mavericks are shooting free throws, like you just said, could have easily ended up with just a two-point margin that they had to make up with a couple seconds left. Yeah, if there was one second left, I would have thought he would have tried to miss it on purpose. But there was 3.9 seconds left when he when he shot that. I don't think he was trying to miss it on purpose. I think it worked out great for them, and it helped a lot that Maxi uh, basically had a phantom box out and didn't even make an effort to put a body on Covington. Great play by Covington. 
you know, as I did my homework, Matt, uh, which I, I hope that you appreciate, but uh, I took a couple screenshots of some stuff I found online. Uh, here's an interesting stat for the okay. for the Mavs. Uh, the first three quarters, uh, they were 57% from the field, 57% from three-point range, which is not sustainable, and 80% from the line. Fourth quarter in overtime, 29% from the field, 20% from three-point line, and 50% from the free throw line. Uh, 20% from three-point line. I'm not sure. I may have misspoken, but the big disappointment there is the free throws. Luca's got to knock those both down with a minute left. And then Seth Curry. Uh, you know, he's one of our better free throw shooters, but I got to say, it was not his night. Why is he on the floor instead of Trey Burke? Well, Trey Burke ran out of gas. There was a stretch there, I thought. I think it was early fourth quarter when we were riding the hot hand of Trey Burke, and he put up a shot. And, I mean, I, like he ended up playing 30 minutes on the night, which is the most he's probably played in the NBA in an NBA game in four years, right? And he missed, uh, he missed a three-pointer badly and then came down the next play and, and had a turnover. And I kind of thought at that point while I was watching it, they got to get Trey Burke out of there. And I think Carlisle was just kind of riding him. You know, the reason we didn't see Curry prior to that is because Burke was so effective. And I think once Burke started to kind of lose it, pulled him out, got Curry back in there. But at that point, yes, to your point, Curry's one of the better shooters we have, if not the best shooter. But he's been sitting on the bench the whole game. And so tough spot for Curry to come into. He's still got to make those free throws. My bigger issue, and, and I hear you on the free throw shooting. That's something Luke has done before. There was a game, I don't know if it was this season or last season, at Denver where he missed a free throw late, and then Jokic came back the other way and, and hit the game winner. So, you know, it's something that has happened before. And, look, he's still 20 years old. So it's, I think we've got plenty of runway there for him to improve in that area. And if that's the only thing we're complaining about. And if we're complaining at all on a night where he puts up a triple-double, I mean, I think we're, we're still pretty lucky in that sense. But my bigger issue was, you know, you mentioned the shooting numbers in the fourth quarter. Our offense in the fourth quarter all of a sudden went from we're moving the ball, everybody's touching it, to a lot of isolation, a lot of one-on-one. It looked like in the last three or four minutes we were almost running like, just trying to kill the clock, like just trying to run things down and give Houston less time. And Houston doesn't need a lot of time to score, as as obviously they proved in the final minute. But I feel like we kind of went into a shell offensively. And then in overtime, when you had Harden and Westbrook with five fouls apiece, and every time Luca drove drove at him, he went right past him. But he ends up kicking out instead of taking a little 10-foot pull-up shot and I think there were two or three opportunities there where the Rockets were not interested in trying to draw a foul because one of their big guns would have been out of game. And, you know, we just didn't take advantage of those possessions to just get an easy two. Uh, like you said, it's like, yeah, we were we were killing from the three-point line for a while there. But, yeah, that's – you're not going to shoot 50 – again, we're trying to shoot 40% from the three-point line. Like, that's – that's outstanding. We end up at 43% on the night. But, yeah, at one point we're at 57%, right? So, 
I thought it was the offensive movement that really uh, died down late in the game. Well, uh, correct. But when you score 139 points in regulation, yeah. we've got to talk about the defense. The defense was non-existent. Uh, in fact, I texted you last night and said that five of me versus five of me would have played more defense than this. Um, and for the for the listeners who don't know, I never played defense. Uh, but it was it was a it was nothing but a layup drill and open three pointers by by largely both teams uh, for most of the first three quarters of the game. Uh, and so many times uh, with the Rockets, they would either have one pass and a th- open three, or they would just have the ball do their typical thing where Harden would dribble around for a while or Westbrook would dribble around and then just take it in and drive it in and get a layup. Uh, you know, at the end of the game, I got really excited with, uh, I'm looking at the play-by-play, 45.2 seconds left when Maxi hit a big, big three to give us a seven-point lead. That lasted less than five seconds. Uh, 4.3 yeah. seconds later, Harden hit a 31-footer. Right. Uh, and the the defense was just atrocious, and that's been the problem with the Mavs uh, much of the year. Uh, I say much of the year because I'm trying to remember. Was it four years ago, five years ago that the season started? I've lost all track of time. <laughs> it's been a but, long season. It's been a long, weird season. Yeah, it's definitely been a weird season. But you know, the double the the double nut punch from last night was just how big that game was in the standings. If the Mavs really wanted to have any chance of moving up in the standings, they needed to win that game last night because they went from a game and a half back to now uh, to two and a half back. And, uh, you know, even if they go undefeated, they're going to have to have, um, you know, the Rockets are going to have to, I don't know, go 0-7. I, I'm not good at math. But the, the, the odds of the Mavs moving up are, are really not likely now. Um, so it looks like they're, they're pretty safely into the seven spot. Uh, which is disappointing because if they could have won last night, then then uh, they would have been right there with with Houston and Utah lost today. Um, so you know the, the Mavs would have been in a much better spot. Just uh, you know uh, would have been right there. But um, you know well, it is what it is. And to that point, you know Oklahoma City also Oklahoma City beat Utah today. So you know they've been tied with the Rockets. We were a game and a half behind Oklahoma City and Houston last night and so not only does Houston pick up a game but Oklahoma City picks up a game. So now yep. trailing both teams by two and a half with seven games remaining and both of them have a few games on their schedule that are all but gimme wins to you know, to your point, the Mavericks pretty much have to go six and one or seven and oh to really put that pressure on either one of those teams to, to jump them. Uh, so it's looking more and more like, in all like, I mean, really at this point, we kind of need to hope that the uh, the Nuggets catch the Clippers, maybe for the second spot yeah. in the West, because I think that's almost more likely than uh, the Mavericks catching OKC or um, or Houston. Yeah, and that's going to be. And I haven't looked at the schedule for the Clippers or the Nuggets, but I know the Nuggets are a couple games back of the Clippers. You know, in, like with the the Jazz uh, losing today, you really would have seen, liked to have seen the, the Thunder lose to the Jazz today, uh, yeah. since since the Mavs are a little bit closer there. But um, yeah, that's you know, we're a game and a half behind them. Um, you know, the Mavericks' upcoming schedule. You know, they've got Phoenix tomorrow night. We're taping this on Saturday, so Phoenix tomorrow night on Sunday night, and then Sacramento this week. 
Then it's the Clippers. So there's your there's your potential playoff preview right there, and the Bucks. And I mean, it's hey, Utah and Matt, Portland. the yeah. Bucks. You got your potential NBA Finals preview. <laughs> that's a great point. Next Saturday night, look for that. That's that's going to be on ESPN. It's probably a reason they put that in prime time on ESPN because of the finals potential. Um, yeah, I mean, and look, I, I I think a lot of people, there were some people writing about how the Mavericks could Luka just make a run with this team. I, I just think the Clippers in round one is just going to be way too difficult for that to be possible. Just about every other team, even the Lakers, because I think we've been really competitive against the Lakers this season. But we've looked completely overmatched against the Clippers, and they're going to be at full strength. Uh, certainly by the playoffs, uh, maybe not by Thursday when we play them. Um, Harold and Lou Williams were out the other night against the Lakers. But, um, yeah, when they're at full strength, there's just too many weapons on that team, I think, for the Mavericks to overcome it. Uh, and it's too good defensively. We're, we're the, you know, Houston's a bad defensive team. So, yeah, we can put up 150 points, and if they're not shooting well, which they, they weren't shooting – as well as us early on. I mean, that's where the Mavericks got a double-digit lead for a while there. But, yeah, that's that's going to be a lot harder to do against a team like the Clippers, and certainly not four times in a seven-game series. You know, I do think the Mavs would match up really well with the 2001 Clippers, though. Yeah, that if would only... be a better matchup. I, mean, I, think, I think people would love this, this Mavericks team. Now, is that the 2001 Clippers... Like I'm talking like Corey Maggette, Michael Olakandi, Cherokee uh, Parks, Eric Piatkowski. I'm just going from memory here. Don't make me Google it. Yeah, but you got to figure the revenge factor for Cherokee Parks would register pretty high for the Clippers, right? I mean, it's going oh, the, the Maverick. Yeah. The team exactly. drafted them and then unceremoniously dumped them. I mean, I, I would think he'd come out with a vengeance, but... Well, and that was still that was Lamar Odom on the Clippers too. So, do you think that he'd have a revenge factor looking into the future, uh, realizing how awful he was going to be with the Mavericks? Uh, in this scenario, I'm going to say yes. There would be he would know that's coming in the future, and would pre-revenge the Mavericks. Yes, pre-revenge. Matt, I've known you for almost 30 years or so. I yeah. apologize for, for this tangent, so let's get yeah. back on track. How long have we been? Uh, where are we in the pod right now? <laughs> About 15 are we, minutes in. All right, we're so now I'm going to bring. Like, we could wrap this up, yeah. Well, now I, I, I just want to say I, I've been fighting the urge to bring up Duke for 15 minutes, and I feel that your brother would be really mad at me if I didn't. But I now know how UNC felt this year when they blew a five-point lead with 20 seconds left. Not just once, but twice. Once in regulation mm-hmm. and once in overtime. Mm-hmm. What a yeah. gut punch last night. What an absolute gut punch. It is. Uh, to, and, uh, you know, I just, uh, I, I'm, I, I got to be honest with you. I actually didn't watch the first four minutes of overtime. I got so mad. I went outside and I changed uh, a couple sprinkler heads uh, that needed to be replaced at about 11 o'clock last night. And I uh, was texting a neighbor and I was just like, I need to change the scenery. If we win, uh, you're welcome. And I came back inside with about a minute left and didn't look good. And uh, the change of scenery did not work, but I tried. Well, it's funny you say that because the game goes to overtime on such a ridiculous manner that that regulation ends. And it almost, it's like, 
in my head, like logically, I'm like, well, we're going to lose this game. You know, like Houston has all the momentum, but we've got nothing going right now. And then we come out and score the first four points in overtime, and there's that hope. Like like in the 2011 World Series when the Rangers took a 2 nothing lead, like right there in the first, where it's like, oh, okay, we're fine. That didn't affect us. You know, we're good. And then, you know, the, the Rockets score eight straight, and it's pretty much over from that point. Um, so, yeah, no, it, it's a bad loss uh, on all fronts and kind of, you know, more or less puts us in that seventh spot. Again, we're going to need a lot of help now to, to move anywhere out of that spot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they got to bounce back tomorrow night against Phoenix, and, and Phoenix is essentially playing for nothing. I mean, Phoenix and Sacramento – like those are games you got to go in and take care of business because they're they're fringe playoff contenders like really trying to make a run to get within what is it three or four games of the eighth spot in order to qualify yeah. for the play in you know uh, yeah I series. think it's four games but yeah I I just don't see anybody I, I think what we saw on Friday with Portland and Memphis that's going to end up being your eight nine battle. Uh, there, um, New Orleans dropped another game today, so they're they're sitting 0-2. Their schedule softens up, but if they're going to rest Zion and, and do things like that with his minutes, I don't I don't see them being as serious a contender that a lot of people thought they would be going into this restart. Well, in any rust that the Clippers had on Thursday night against the Lakers, they got rid of it today against uh, New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that that was a buzzsaw that the uh, Pelicans stepped into one twenty six one oh three, and it wasn't even that close. Like it's one twenty six. Like, yeah, they kind of took their foot off the gas for the last I don't know fifteen minutes of that game. Uh, yeah, and uh, disappointing if the the Pelicans can't make the playoffs because that would bring the NBA's longest streak of making the playoffs to an end for an individual player. Uh, okay, well, uh, Jay, go ahead and reveal who that individual player is. Uh, is it LeBron? Uh, it sure isn't. No, LeBron didn't make the playoffs last uh, year. It's, it's actually J.J. Redick. <laughs> it's J.J. Redick. There it is. There uh, it is. Yeah. So, multiple uh, it, Duke references. You somehow I, got Corey Maggetti into this, um, and uh, now you've looped J.J. Redick into it. Very, very good job. Well, you know, I, I got to say the New Orleans Pelicans are an absolute wonderful team for me to watch with my kids because I can point to about five different guys on the team and say, hey, where'd that guy go to school? And both of my kids will just guess Duke, and odds are they're right. You got Brandon Ingram, <laughs> Zion Williamson, you got J.J. Redick, you got, uh, I think you got uh, you got Frank Jackson, too, on the team. And uh, yeah. I, I believe the uh, general manager is still Trajan Langdon. Uh, my, yeah, that's right. I think my, my classmate, the Alaskan Assassin. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, wow. Yeah, so they're going to miss the playoffs, but whatever. 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 All right. Well, so uh, on to Phoenix. Uh, I like the chances in the next couple games against Phoenix and Sacramento, and then you've got two really tough – actually, three tough ones. The Clippers, Milwaukee, and then Utah. And uh, and even this, the, the penultimate game of this, this last eight-game stretch against Portland, uh, who knows what's going to happen with Portland because Portland's healthy. Uh, they uh, might be making a push to, um, to to either for the eight spot outright, or certainly they're in the mix to, to be in the play-in tournament. So uh, don't don't uh, don't think that that game will be a a, a, a cakewalk. Well, and then we finish the game point, against Phoenix, or finish the season against Phoenix. At that point, the Mavericks maybe 
maybe locked in at that point. They may be locked in. Two in games, with two games left, that may be a pretty meaningless game for the Mavericks, and it may mean the world to Portland. So, yeah, that, that's it'll be interesting to see over the well, next the, uh, five games how that, how that all shakes out. You know, there's a chance that just in – in, there, there's a chance the Mavs could be locked in to their seeding by the middle of this week, by Wednesday, uh, depending on how it plays out with some other teams. But they could be locked in, and then people might be talking about resting, which – if this were the normal regular season and they were coming up and locked in, I'd say, yeah, sure. But right now they're still trying to build chemistry and get back in a groove. And I don't think you can do that. I think you've really got to go all out, um, even if the games are meaningless, because it doesn't help your team uh, to just go into autopilot and rest your players and then show up in the first round against the Clippers. Well, especially when you have, I mean, the most veteran player on this team is J.J. Barea, and he didn't play last night. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you, you don't have veterans on this team that you're trying to rest. It, it's one thing. That's something I could see the Lakers doing if everything's wrapped up the last couple of games, like Le- LeBron not, not playing a ton of minutes and some of their older guys. But, yeah, there's there's no point in the Mavericks resting anyone over the next seven games. It's got to be just, hey, we got to be hitting on all cylinders going into that first-round matchup. And, look. As much as people want to write about it going into the restart, that this could be a, a team that's kind of sneaky and could make a run, Mavericks fans shouldn't expect this team this year to be a championship contender. It should be, hey, look, we're back in the playoffs. We're an exciting team. We can play with a lot of guys, right? But you saw last night and in a number of games, we're still just, just a level below some of those top teams in the league. And some of that is just immaturity. You know, you can take a look and, you know, there might be some holes. Like, it'd be nice to have him in the mix, uh, just from a rebounding perspective, at least, uh, not as a rim runner. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, but is he the missing piece? You know, I wouldn't say, nobody's going to say we're a championship team. It's like Kyle's healthy. But um, we're certainly better off than we are currently. Well, and next year, and I'm not saying, I'm not writing off, this year, but remember, we actually have a draft pick this year, so let's yeah. see how the Mavs can do with that pick that'll be around uh, uh, around the 20th pick. Who knows? Maybe they can pick somebody up like uh, Cassius Stanley or Vernon Carey Jr. right there. <laughs> well, and it's going to be an interesting draft. That's more Duke guys for people not following at home. So if you're, if you're playing a drinking game during this podcast, every time Jay mentions a Duke player, I mean, you're you're feeling pretty good at this point. Yeah, Ryan Mann's is really drunk right now. Hi, Ryan. Ryan Mann, yeah, that's right. He's the one guy playing the drinking game. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. And it's going to be a weird draft just because, you know, you didn't have the tournament and you had a little less film on these guys in big game situations. I mean, you've certainly seen guys make a name for themselves draft-wise just by the way they played in the tournament. So it's going to be interesting to see how the draft shakes out and, uh, you know, what it looks like five or ten years from now because there was no NCAA tournament this year. And, you know, we didn't see some of these guys in big moments. So, um, well, Jay, I think you did a pretty good job for your first podcast. How do, how do you feel about it? Oh, this is like my 80th or 90th podcast. It's just my oh. first with you, buddy. Okay. Well, I stand corrected. Well, in that case, you're a seasoned pro and you acted like it. Uh, I kept right. the profanity well, to a minimum. <laughs> Well, thanks for jumping on. We're going to be back. Mavs Podcast will be back with another podcast after the Phoenix game. 
And, um, yeah, until then, for Jay, this is Matt. We're signing off. Go, Matt. Hashtag MFFL. Good night, Matt. Good night, everybody.